Uh, man, I, if you haven't known me long, then uh, some of you, I've been here for 25 years. If you've been here for 25 years, then you know this. If you haven't known me for long, you'd never know that I'm a ginger, all right? I'm a ginger. See, I've really got a red roof. It's just covering some snow right now, all right? And that happened, what's crazy is in my 30s, my hair changed. It went from, I mean, fire engine red to, to basically uh, antique uh, blonde in my 30s, right? And, and so, but I grew up redheaded, and I want you to know, I, I, I thought being redhead, being a ginger was a curse when I was growing up. I hated every minute of it, but I've come to realize now how special it is. Did you realize that less than 2% of the population of humanity are gingers. I mean, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty honor right there, isn't it? Pretty good honor. But I read a, recently a scientific study that, that basically said what we've all knew anyway. It said that redheads are basically superheroes, okay? It said, yeah, that was a redhead right there. It said that gingers, superheroes, were basically the unicorns of the human race. I mean, it, it, if you, to explain, uh, red, our red hair comes from this genetic uh, mutation. You're already thinking Spider-Man, right? It comes from this genetic mutation called MCR1. It's a real deal, MCR1, and it doesn't just affect our hair. It makes our hair red, but it, it, it gives so many more benefits. Like, for instance, uh, gingers, red-headed people, have a 25% higher pain tolerance than the general population. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, it especially when you're me and you're klutz. And that's pretty cool. Redheads also, when we have surgery, it takes 20% more anesthesia to knock us out. We have a huge tolerance for any kind of drugs and anything like that. Uh, also, we as redheads, we produce our own vitamin D. You, you normal people out there, us superheroes, but you normal people, you, you need the sun to produce vitamin D. Our body produces its own vitamin D. How about that? I told you we're superheroes, man. And listen, this is one that Amy likes, and this is scientific. It's not just me. We smell better than, than just average humans, okay? And so and my wife, Amy, she loves that aspect of it. But listen, not only are redheads, not only do we have a superhero status now, science has confirmed what we all knew, we also have a royal status. I don't know if you know this, but in, in, an inordinate amount of royals throughout history have been gingers. You can go Google it and look it up. I mean, that, it's dominant, the number of redheads that's royal. I mean, all the way from Henry II to Richard the Lionheart to uh, Mary Tudor, Queen of France, Mary Queen of Scots to uh, Queen Elizabeth to Prince Harry, and that's just to name a few. I mean, goodness gracious, think about it. All the Disney princesses that are redheaded, right? The best ones, what, Anastasia, Ariel, uh, uh, Merida, I mean, even Kim Possible, Hercules, and Peter Pan got in on the action, right? They wanted red hair. And so, listen, uh, here's the thing. Redheads, being a redhead has its incredible benefits. I used to hate it, but now it has some incredible benefits. But I want you to understand it also has a major curse, and that major curse is a big one, and here it is. Redheads are typically hotheads. <laughs> Redheads, we're fiery. And it's, it's really understandable. If you grew up being called nicknames like Carrot Top and Cheeto Head, and that's just the ones I can mention on stage, right? That's just the ones I can mention right here. You'd have anger issues too, right? I mean, man, the least little thing uh, can, can, can just set me. Amy can tell you, man, there was a time in my life to where the least little thing would make me mad and a mule chewing on bumblebees. I mean, I would get angry quick, and, and that was a problem I had. You know, when you become a Christian, some sins you bury pretty easy, right? But others, you really have a lifelong battle. 
Well, this would be one that, you know, I have to have a lifelong battle with. And, and you know what? I, I bet you understand. I, I say all this because today we're going to talk about anger. All right, we're doing this series called Silent Killers, if you're a guest, and what we're talking about is three different emotions that are silently killing people. Last week, we talked about anxiety. If you weren't here, you can go catch up online, and anxiety is is silently just sucking the life out of people, and and anger is another one of those, and we're going to deal with anger. Next week, we're going to talk about unforgiveness, and listen, folks, I think most everybody in, in this place and watching online has been affected by someone in some way that we've had a hard time forgiving them, and most people... Uh, are still dealing with some unforgiveness, and it's sucking the life out of you, and you really don't understand how or, how, or, or to the extent, and I want to help you with that next week, okay? But today, we're going to talk about anger, and here's what I want you to know. No one is more qualified on this subject than me, okay? I am qualified, well qualified to preach on anger, uh, and, and being a ginger, I'm well qualified uh, to speak on that, but I, I think most of you can probably relate to me, right? I mean, you have been, I bet most of you have been angry this week about something. Maybe you got angry at your jackleg boss, maybe you got angry, you know, at your spouse, or maybe you got angry at a friend, maybe it was on the car, in a car, someone cut you off on the road, and, and maybe it's something you heard on the, on the radio or saw on TV, you got angry. Some of you are angry right now at the person beside of you, you know, or at the little person you dropped off in the preschool or childcare, right? I mean, you're angry, right? And, and here's what I know. We all deal with anger at some level, and anger is a silent killer if we don't deal with it properly. It sucks the life out of us, right? It kills our marriages. It kills our careers. It kills relationships, and it kills our happiness, And so we want to help you deal with anger, and we want to help you see what the Bible says. God says a lot about anger, and we want to help you deal with that, and we want to help you know what the Bible says about it. And so so we're going to to look today at a passage, and our key passage today is from Ephesians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and as we we look at this, he gives some specific direction on anger, all right? And he says this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reading uh, 22. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, he gets down to anger in 26, 27, but context is important, okay? And so we're going to start in 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. So there's a former manner of life if you're a Christian, and there's a new manner of life. That's the way we should walk, right? An old self, a new self. That's, and, and this is a, a dominant theme in Paul's writings, the old self and the new self. So he says, and to be renewed, or, or I'm sorry, let, let me back up and start over. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, he begins to now list some of the things that were a part of the old self. Put away falsehood. Let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And then it gets down to it in 26 and 27. Be angry. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let, I'm sorry, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he basically reminds them that when you are a Christian, you are a brand new creation. That's what he said in Corinthians. You're a new creation, so you're a new person. And so he says, take off the old and put on the new. Now, this is a daily thing, folks. 
Here's what you need to understand. You were not saved by your efforts or by your works or by your baptism or by anything else. You were saved by Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. He saved you. The Holy Spirit sanctifies you. The Holy Spirit begins to work in your life because the moment you become a Christian, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to remake you to change your desires and make you into the image of Christ, okay? So Jesus saves you. The Holy Spirit comes along and sanctifies you. That's what sanctify means. It means to become like Christ. So that's the work of, of, the, of the Son, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in your salvation, and you're growing to become like him. But you also have a part in your sanctification. That's why uh, we're told to work out our salvation, not work for our salvation, but to work it out. When you're saved, you work it out. You live like it. So in other words, here's what Paul's saying. You take off the old, you put on the new daily. It's sort of like last night, you know, when you get in the bed, when you come in, you take off your old your clothes, right, the clothes that you, then this morning I got up, I put on the new. That's what you have to do daily, I hope, right? That's what we do spiritually. That's what Paul is saying. You're a brand new person, so you should live like it. And it's a daily deal that you have to be actively involved in, okay? So but what Paul is telling the Ephesians here is being a Christian is not just living with Jesus in heaven when you die, and that's awesome. And that's what a lot of people think about Christianity. It's heaven, Awesome. That's a reality. But it's not just about living with Jesus in heaven when you die. It's about living like Jesus on earth right now. It's about living a different life. Then he talks about two ways that are new. He talks about some, some, a part of your old life that should be different than your new life. And one is he says falsehood. In other words, lying. That's a big one. It's a Ten Commandment, right? Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Lying and dishonesty is huge. God says don't do it. It's clear cut. It's plain. It's simple. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Okay? Jesus is not, he doesn't just speak the truth. He is truth. It's his character. It's who he is. The, the word says there was no deceit found in him. So Jesus is truth. He never lied. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, lying should not come from your mouth. Even if it costs you your job, whatever it costs you, you should always be honest. It is a hallmark. It is a characteristic that should be a part of a believer's life. Do not lie very cut and dry. Okay? Well, that rhyme. Do not lie cut and dry. That, that'd be good right there, all right? So I just thought of that on a moment. So anyway, then he goes into the next uh, aspect of being a believer, of new self, old self, and that is anger. But anger is a little differently. I, 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 he speaks differently about anger. Here's what he says about anger. He didn't say, he said, do not lie, put off falsehood, but he didn't say don't get angry. All right? That's not what he said about anger. So the, the, the command is not to be angry. Matter of fact, he commanded us to be angry. Be angry is the first part of that. The first two words are be angry. That's a command. All right? So we're commanded to be angry. Now, before you, I mean, get a little excited, that doesn't give you a free license to go break red on the, on the idiot that, that cuts you off on the 24 tomorrow, right? That doesn't do that. He says, be angry, yet do not sin in your anger. Now, our bottom line today is this. You need to be angry at sin, but don't sin in anger. Be angry at sin, but don't sin in anger, all right? And so Jesus said, be angry, but do not sin in your anger. So what's he mean? Well, listen, there are several verses in the Bible that have anger and fire, those two words, in the same verse. Anger and fire in the same verse. Why? Well, I think it's because anger and fire are similar in they both can do great things and they both can be very destructive. 
They can both be very constructive. They can both be awesome. In other words, man, Amy turns on our stove. It's a gas stove, so there's flames that come out of the top of that stove eye. And when those flames come out, man, it cooks our food. That's, that's a great thing about fire. Fire can heat your home. Some of you have fireplaces or stoves in your home. Fire can heat your home. That's a good thing about fire. A bad thing about fire is fire can also destroy your home. It can burn your home down. Fire can destroy your body. It can burn your arm. Fire is good, but it can also be destructive. And that's exactly the same thing with anger. Anger can be a good thing if it's righteous anger, but it can be a very, very destructive thing if it's unrighteous. So there's two types of anger that the Bible describes and two types of anger that are a reality in our lives. One is righteous anger. It's righteous anger. And that righteous anger would be defined as being angry at any injustice or any sin or anything that offends God. That's a righteous anger. Then there's unrighteous anger. That's a very self-centered anger. So a righteous anger is a God-centered anger, and an unrighteous anger is a very self-centered anger. Now, Jesus gives us a great example of righteous anger. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's about at least 15 times in the Gospels where Jesus gets angry, okay? Jesus is not necessarily what the world thinks. Uh, uh, Probably the most prominent example of Jesus getting angry is when Jesus goes into the temple during Passover. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record uh, this story. And uh, what they tell us is that Jesus goes to Jerusalem uh, during the Passover. And in, and in that time, if you lived in, the, in, the, in a region, then you went to Jerusalem during Passover. Uh, now, when you traveled to Jerusalem, they didn't have, you know, SUVs and, and, and you know, uh, luggage racks and trailer hitches and all these kind of things. And so they couldn't load up everything and take them on. They t- walked, right? Most of them, they walked in. They would sacrifice animals during Passover. And some of them most of them couldn't bring animals to Jerusalem for that distance of travel. So when they would get there, what would happen was the merchants would set up and sell animals to people to sacrifice uh, during Passover, which is a good thing. It would provide a service. We need an animal to sacrifice. The merchants would set up and help people be able to perform their sacrificial duty. That was a good thing. It was a good service. But what happened, the religious leaders were corrupt. And they really began to be like organized crime. They realized, man, we can get, we can make some cash off of this. They're required to do this. We can benefit from it. So they began to uh, control the merchants and get a kickback from what the merchants sold. And they uh, originally set up across the valley from the temple. But then they realized, man, if we set up in the temple, we can make a lot of money. And so they let them set up in the temple. So when Jesus comes in, he gets angry. I mean, he is, he gets so angry, man, he could chew nails and spit rivets. I'm just telling you, he's angry, okay? Now, he's not angry because they're setting up selling stuff in the temple. That's not what he's angry about, all right? Because this was a service. What he's angry about is they set up and they allowed them to set up in the court of the Gentiles, which was the only court the Gentiles could be in. In other words, you and me, if you're not a Jew, right? And so if you can, and like, it would be like in today's world, a church gathering and a church having basically a sign out front saying, if you're not a member, you're not welcome. 
Can you imagine that? Well, I mean, a lot of churches don't have signs out, but that's, that's sort of the vibe you get, right? Well, that was what was going on in the temple. Jesus got angry because they were showing that we're more interested in money. The religious leaders were showing we're more interested in money than we are in the souls of lost people that don't know God. And that makes Jesus angry because he came to die for the lost souls of people, men and women, boys and girls. And so that made him angry. He got so angry that he took cords and he wound them together, made a whip out of them, and he literally started cracking the whip. Bam! I mean, he started cra- uh, If you get this scene in your mind, Jesus is cracking a whip, I mean, just wh- whipping, turning over tables, money flying everywhere, animals running, people running, Jesus, you know, running them out. Can- imagine that. Now, if, if, if you would absolutely think about how someone who didn't know Jesus in Hollywood would write. It, would they write, oh, Jesus? No, they're going to think Jesus is some meek and mild and, you know, some milk toast, very tolerant person. Listen, that's not Jesus at all. Jesus was absolutely highly intolerant of sin, folks. Jesus was highly intolerant of sin. Anything that, that absolutely defamed the name of God Anything that maligned the character of God made Jesus angry, and he responded appropriately. So Jesus got angry, but Jesus never sinned in his anger because he never committed a sin. So when we see Jesus grabbing a whip and whipping people out of the temple, running them out, we know that wasn't sin because Jesus never committed a sin. So it was righteous anger. Now, we also see an example of God the Father uh, being uh, righteously angry and, uh, through Scripture. And we see in uh, Amos, Amos is a great example. Amos is a, a prophet in, in the Old Testament. And here's what Amos says. Now, listen, this is what Amos says, and he's recording what God says. I hate, I despise your feast. Now, this is God's words. God, now, if, if you talk to your children, you, you would say that the words hate, and despise are very strong words. Amy will tell you, man, if I don't like something enough, I'll say, I despise it. I de-. You can't say despise something without gritting your teeth, can you? You just don't say, I despise it. <laughs> you say, I despise it. I mean, you, you just got to almost grit your teeth or the word loses its power. It loses its meaning. Well, that's exactly, God says, I despise, I hate. God uses those words. So they're powerful words, and God uses those words, strong words, and he, what does he hate? I hate your feast, I despise your, your feast, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. He's talking about their worship service. God says, I hate your worship services, I despise them. Uh-oh, why? I want to know what that means. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And, and, and the peace offering of your fattened animals... I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And so what you, have to, what you have to know is God says, I hate, I despise your worship services. Why would he use such strong language about people who are worshiping? Because these were people who claimed the name of God. People who were God's children. People who were supposed to be a light to the nations. People who were supposed to be about justice because God is a just God. And we were to be like God. But they were coming together and worshiping and bringing their sacrifices. Then they would go out the door and it wasn't changing how they were living. God said, I hate you're gathering together, singing your songs, doing all your stuff. And then you go out and you're neglecting. The the, the context here is they were neglecting the orphans and the widows. 
people in need and they were just like, eh, whatever. And they were doing their thing when they had plenty and they were neglecting orphans and widows. And it, and, and it made God angry because there was an injustice being done. And he says, let justice roll, right? Let justice roll. And so what I want you to understand is when we see this, God gets angry. Now, God fundamentally is not angry. God fundamentally is righteous. He gets angry because he's righteous, because righteous is pure, and his anger comes from his righteousness because he gets angry at anything that's unrighteous and unjust. Folks, here's what I want you to understand. It's a sin sometimes to get angry. Sometimes I sin in my anger. The Bible tells me to be angry and not sin. Sometimes I sin in my anger, and I know that sometimes you sin in your anger. And sometimes it's a sin to be angry, but I want you to know sometimes it's a sin to not get angry. Sometimes it's a sin to not get angry. When you look at injustice in the world, when you look at God's name being maligned, and when you look at his character being defamed, when you look at someone being harmed, and that doesn't make you angry, that's a sin. That's a sin. I mean, folks, listen, I wish more people would get angry at the things that get God angry. And what gets God angry? Well, anything that's sin. Let me tell you what what gets God angry is the fact that Boys and girls are, 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 are sex trafficked all over our world. Boys and girls are sex trafficked all over our world. And as a Christian, that ought to make you angry, right? Abortion, that ought to make you angry uh, when, we, when, when we see babies' lives that are taken. Racism, you see anyone treat anyone differently because of the color of their skin or their nationality. That, that gets me, I'm going to tell you, that gets me furious when I, when I see that. That gets me furious. And if that doesn't get you angry, that's a sin. Here's the problem, folks. Listen, I have absolutely no problem getting righteously angry. Amy can tell you this. Some of you know this. I have no problem getting righteously angry. You know? But my problem is I also have no problem getting unrighteously angry. Right? So what's the difference? How do we know what righteous anger and unrighteous anger is? And I've already said, okay, self-centered versus God-centered because righteous anger is God-centered anger. When I look and I see injustice, when I see someone being harmed, when I see an abuse situation, when I see someone mistreating uh, someone who's vulnerable, when I see an orphan situation, any of those things, when I see someone maligning God's name with their language and, you know, you, someone uses the GD word around me, the, you know, I, I can, I, I'll, I'll a few times not say anything. And I'm like, hey, bro, you're not going to malign God's name. I mean, you know, every other word, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, but, but that name we're not using, okay? I get angry at those things, Right? So those things are, are, are justice issues. Those are God-centered. But I also have a problem getting angry at me-centered things. And so I want to help you to understand the difference and how uh, if your anger is righteous or unrighteous. So how do we know the difference? Okay, what, uh, here's the thing. You can tell the difference in your righteous anger and unrighteous anger based on a couple of things. One, why are you angry? Why are you angry? Okay. That's a question you need to ask yourself. Okay, I'm getting angry. Why am I angry? Why? Now, first off, if you're angry and you, and you go back, okay, let's go back to Genesis 4. Remember Genesis 1 and 2, perfect, beautiful, good, awesome. It's incredible. Everything's good. God made it, declared it's good. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve bit the dust, right? Genesis 3, Adam and Eve stiff-armed God. They said, I know better than you, God, and they bit the dust and they fell. Genesis 3, Genesis 4, first murder happens. Wow, it goes downhill fast, doesn't it? Genesis 4, what happens is Adam and Eve had a son, 
they had another son. Their two sons were named Cain and Abel. They, at birth, they uh, were sinners because Adam and Eve were sin. They passed that sin gene on to all the way to me and you. So Cain and Abel, uh, in chapter 4, here's what happens. Cain gets so mad at Abel. Anybody got a brother here? Raise your hand if you got a brother. You got a brother? Yeah. Man, you ever been mad at your brother? I've got a brother. I could beat the fool out of that kid some. Did, okay? All right, listen, you get angry at your brother if you got a brother. That's just part of being a brother, right? I mean, listen, but Cain got so angry at Abel, he killed him. Now, that's a little over the top, isn't it? He killed him. So here's what God said. In chapter 4, obviously his anger was unrighteous. His anger was unrighteous. Now, what happens is in chapter 4, God goes to Cain and says, Cain, why are you angry? Now, why did God ask him that? Did God not know if Cain was angry? Or, or did God not know? A- absolutely not. Remember, God went to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 when they sinned and they ran, and God said, Adam, where are you? Did God not know where Adam was? Sure, God knew where Adam was. God never asks questions to gain information. You see, people come into my office all the time, or if it's one of my kids, or if it's a- with Amy. When I'm asking you questions, a lot of time I'm trying to get information because I have no clue. I don't know, and so I'm asking questions. That's not why God asks questions. God doesn't need information. He knows he asks questions for my sake. Pat, what are you doing right now? Sometimes you ask somebody that question to get them to think, right? Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? In other words, are you crazy, right? What are you doing? God says, Cain, why are you angry? And he's trying to get Cain to think. He's trying to get Cain to wrap his mind around why he's angry. And here's what Genesis 4 tells us. Cain was angry because Abel and Cain both offered sacrifices. God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's sacrifice. And it wasn't just because God said, hmm, I like Abel better. It was because Cain went cheap on his sacrifice. Cain didn't, Cain offered leftovers, okay? Cain went cheap on his sacrifice, and so God accepted Abel's. He didn't accept Cain's. Cain got angry. So why was Cain angry? Because he was jealous of his brother. So is that a righteous anger or an unrighteous uh, anger? That's a self-centered anger. That's a very unrighteous anger. It was self-centered. It was about jealousy, So the next time you get angry and you say, is this a problem? You need to stop and say, why am I angry? And man, if you're angry because someone's being mistreated, that's probably a a God-centered anger because God's just God. You see a man abusing his wife. You see uh, someone abusing a child. You see someone, uh, you know, I mean, in terrorism. You see any kind of racism, uh, any kind of bigotry, anything like that. Man, you're like, whoa, I'm I'm going to get involved in that, all right? I mean, I'm not going to set back. I'm going to get involved in that, and I think that's unrighteous anger, okay? Problem is, you know, is it self-centered? So you ask why. If I'm angry because I'm seeing somebody abused, that's righteous. But if I'm angry because I'm jealous like Cain, or if I feel, maybe I feel disrespected, right? I feel disrespected. Man, I, 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 I'm going to tell you a little story on myself, okay? Because I always preach it myself. I never preach it to you. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, right? A few years ago, I don't know how many years ago, six or seven, eight years ago, me and uh, some of our staff here went to see a movie one, one Friday evening or something, and we just got together hanging out, and we went to see a movie. And we went, went into the movie theater, and 
uh, it was down in Murfreesboro, and uh, there was another pastor that I know from the area, from down in Murfreesboro, and I saw him, and he was going to see the same thing. I said, come on, man, sit with us. So we went in, sat down beside us, and he was eating his popcorn, and I'm sitting there, and the movie started, and I kid you not, as soon as the movie, I mean, we were 10 minutes into the movie, and someone texted me. Now, if someone texts me, uh, man, I never know what it is when someone texts me. I mean, it could be, what's up, man? Or it can be, yo, i got to have you help now, right? And so I got my phone. I always check and see. I might not respond immediately if I'm in a movie and if it's like, yo, what's up? I might not respond. But so I, I wanted to see. And seriously, so I opened my phone and as soon as I opened my phone and I was checking my text, I had it open maybe three seconds. All of a sudden, bam, something hit the back of my chair. And I turned and, 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 and the man behind me had kicked the back of my chair and said, put up your bleep phone. Now for a minute, I forgot who I was. I promise you, I forgot who I was for just a minute. And that, I, that didn't sit well with me. And our staff that was there, they was like, oh, no. <laughs> I turned around, and I said, you kick my seat one more time. And then it dawned on me who I was. <laughs> See, you held me accountable because I said, I'm their pastor. I can't, get, I can't go to jail. So I said, rather than being mad, I'm going to sort of halfway tell this man about Jesus. I'm going to halfway be evangelistic and get my point across. So I said, you kick my chair one more time. I remember who I was. I said, you better give your heart to Jesus because your butt's mine. <laughs> I thought it was evangelistic. <laughs> Not necessarily quite how it went down, but I got my point across. And then I proceeded to get my phone out and do this. And I didn't get a kick on the back of my chair. Now, was that righteous or unrighteous? That was unrighteous as it could be. I wasn't angry for a just reason. I mean, the dude, you know. Now, listen, I could explain that away and say jerks need to be told they're jerks and I'm the man for the job, right? I mean, now, listen, I, 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 I wasn't mad because I was mad because I felt disrespected. Is that a good reason to get mad? No, it's not a good reason to get mad. Right? I, I mean, that's, a good, that's not a good reason. That was an unrighteous reason to get angry. It's because it was self-centered. It was about I didn't feel respected. Maybe you feel jealous. Maybe you don't feel respected. Maybe you don't feel like your, your rights are met. Maybe he got a raise and you didn't. Right? Uh, maybe like Cain, he worked for it and you didn't. I don't know. Or maybe you worked for it and, and, and he didn't and he got it. Is that still a self-centered reason? So is your, is your anger about God and his justice and his righteousness? Or is it about you? And is it about something that you feel you deserve, some right you feel has been taken away? Why are you angry? Now, second, so, so you got to ask, okay, is my anger righteous or is it unrighteous? Why do I get angry? That begins to help you. But then, listen, you got to go a step further and you got to say, how do I respond? Because you can be righteously angry and respond in an unrighteous way. Okay, so how do I respond when I get angry? Cain got angry, and here's what God said. God said, Cain, you better master your sin or it's going to master you. In other words, you better, get your, you better get a hold of this, Cain. And what happened? Cain killed his brother Abel. Very unrighteous response, obviously, over-the-top response. How do you respond when you get angry? Now it begins to go, why am I angry? you got to stop and say, why was I angry? Why am I angry? And then it's like, okay, how am I going to respond? So you get in an argument with your spouse. Going to happen, right? 
I mean, it happened last night for some of you. Some of you, you know, uh, uh, come in this morning. You're, you're going to get in a fight and an argument with your husband, your wife, if you're married. Okay, so you're going to get in an argument with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. If you're, you're going to get, if you've got a close friend, and you've never had a disagreement, you probably don't have a close friend. Okay, you're going to argue. That's life. That's disagreements, right? So what do you do when that happens? When you get angry, how do you respond? How do you fight? Do you fight dirty? You start screaming and you start shouting. You start, I'm going to let them know. They're going to hear my voice. I'm going to be the loudest voice here. I'm going to roar louder. You start screaming and shouting. You start, you know, you want to hurt them. So you start saying bad things about their mama, right? I, I mean, or you give them the silent treatment. Right? You give them the silent treatment. I mean, man, she ticked me off, and I'll show her. I'm not going to talk to her for three days. <laughs> like, like a ch- she's like, praise the Lord. I'm going to make him mad more, right? You're thinking it's punishing her, and she's like, praise Jesus. I mean, or do you give her the silent treatment? What about, you know, you're at the store, and, or, or, and something happens. You've had those encounters where stuff happens at the counter, and, I, I mean, and, and the person across the other side of the counter, and, man, I mean, they're sort of, they, maybe they misunderstand, but you're getting mad. And, I mean, I've seen people treat, like, people that are serving them like, like pound puppies, right? Do you respond that way? What about, man, you get, on, you get on 24, and you're going to work in the morning, all right? Some of you, hey, look, it was closed and down to one lane coming east on 24. This might have been this morning. So you get on 24, and, man, you're coming down the road, and some fool cuts you off. Right? Now, all of us would say, I think that's justifiable anger. He cuts you off. Now, what do you do? Now, you might get angry for a moment, and you say, why am I angry? Is it because I believe I deserve, you know, something? And why do I get angry? Okay. Then you think about your response. And here's an, and what do you do at that point? Do you just, okay, Lord, and you move on? Or do you speed up? I mean, I've done this before, man. I've hit that gas, and I've got right on somebody's bumper, and Amy's always in the car, and she, Amy's going, Pat, what are you doing? I'm like, they they need to get out of my way. They cut me off. They need to get out of my way. And Amy's like, Pat, what if you're their pastor? And I'm like, they don't go to my church. There's idiots. Idiots don't go to my church. Amy's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, okay, let me pray, Lord. Let me back off. Let me, unrighteous response. Or do you fly by them and use sign language to say you're number one? (laughs) Right? Unrighteous response. Does that make God, you know, hey, uh, and Jesus loves you. No, you can't do that. Right? I mean, how do you respond? So how you respond, how you respond is very, very, very important into your anger. I mean, and some of you would say, well, well Pat, I, you don't know me. I, I, I can't control it. I, I just, man, I can't control it. I lose my mind, and I just have to let it out. It's just me. You ever use that with you? I've used that, I've used that with Amy so many times. You knew me when you married me. You knew that's how it was. That's just me. And that's a stupid thing because that is who I was. But see, now I'm new, right? I put off who I was. Now I'm a new person. So that's not true, right? That's a lie. So you can say, well, that's just who I am. That's an excuse because if you're a Christian, it's not who you are, right? It's who you were. You put, take off the old, you put on the new. But you can control it. And here's a couple of reasons why you can control it, if you think you can't. You can control it because, number one, God never commands you to do anything that you cannot do in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Okay? God never commands you to do anything that you can't do just so he can laugh at you trying. <laughs> Look at it. I mean, he doesn't play games with you. Right? He doesn't play games. God, see, see here's what happened. 
When God saved you, when Jesus Christ saved you, he removed your guilt from you of sin. But that, that, that's not where it stopped. He also put the Holy Spirit within you, the indwelling Holy Spirit, to help you to overcome indwelling sin, right? And so, yes, you can control it because God commanded you to, to not be angry, to be angry and do not sin, I mean. And therefore, if he commanded you to do it, you can. The second thing is, that's for you Christians. So some of you would say, okay, well, I, I'm not a Christian, so I can't. No, you can, whether you're a Christian or not, okay? Because you do it every day. Let me give you some examples. Let me give you two quick examples of how you control your anger when you want to. And when you don't control it, it's because you don't want to. First off, I know if you've come to church for any length of time and you have kids, this has happened to you. Man, you get in the car and you're 10 minutes, 15 minutes late leaving your house because somebody didn't get up, because somebody didn't eat the breakfast, somebody didn't brush their teeth. You get in the car and you're coming home and you look back and your son, man, his hair's all over his head, his teeth, you can smell his breath because he didn't brush his teeth, right? We come to church one time, Amy gets out of the car and looks down and Isaiah had no shoes at all. (laughs) Isaiah, where's your shoes? Uh, I didn't bring any. You came to church without shoes. Oh, well, you're going. I don't care what people say. Get in there. I mean, if you've got kids, I promise that's going to happen, right? And, 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 and you're going to get angry on the way to church. And listen, you're going to start giving your kids. You're going to break red on them. And man, I, listen, we've seen it sometimes, and it's hilarious. We see people pull in the parking lot out there, and man, you can see, you see that finger pointing, and you can, you, if you red lips, it's like, ooh, good night. And man, they're getting white, and then all of a sudden, somebody will walk up to their car, and they're like, hey. <laughs> they come into church, and you're like, how you doing? Well, we're just doing great, Pastor. How are you? <laughs> I'm like, wow, man. See, you, you know that's you. Maybe it was at church or maybe it was somebody. That, you can control it when you want. Another thing, you're going to go in tomorrow to work sometime this week, and here's what's going to happen. So your boss is going to do something that's just absolutely correct. He's going to grate on your last nerve. And let me tell you what you're not probably going to do. You're probably not going to stand up and say, you're an idiot. You know that. You're not going to say it. Why? Because you're going to be fired. What you're going to do is you're going to sit there, bite your tongue, and control your anger, right? See, you're a hypocrite, but, but you're controlling your anger. My point is you can control it when you want to, right? You can control your anger when you want to control your anger. And so, you know, that this, is, this is exactly what we need to understand about anger. Anger can be good if it's righteous. And folks, I'm telling you, some of you sin because you don't get angry enough. Some of you sin because you, don't, you see things and it just rolls off of you. It doesn't penetrate your heart. You have no emotion about injustices. You have no emotion about things that break the heart of God. Some of you sin because you don't get angry enough. But others of you like me, man, you sin because you get angry in an unrighteous way, right? And so what do you do with that? Well, here's what I want you to understand is, you're, if you're a Christian, you're a brand new person. Old has gone, new has come. you got to put on the new self every day. This is an everyday battle, right? And this is one of those sins. Like some people, every, you, you know, you notice how when, you're a, when, when, when you become a Christian and you, you confess your sins, although Jesus has forgiven your sins, all of your sins, the sins you already committed, the sins I'll commit today, and if I live 10 years longer, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, guess what? God's forgiven every sin I'll ever commit. That happened on the cross. When, that happened when he redeemed me. I was forgiven. But I still commit sins, 
The penalty's removed, but I'm in the presence of sin, and I still commit sins, and when I do, I still confess them, even though they're already forgiven, because of a relationship, right? I confess them. And I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like, man, just like I'm confessing the same sins over and over? Is that what you feel? I, I do. And you know what? That's probably right, because why? You have tendencies. You have tendencies. I, I, don't, I don't happen to confess, like, God, I, I'm sorry for pornography. That's not an issue for me. Praise Jesus, because that could easily be an issue for every man, and it is for a lot of men in this room. It, praise Jesus. I, I give God glory for that and thank him every day, okay? But guess what? I've got other sins that I confess every day. So I don't confess that one every day, but there are sins that I do confess every day. And anger is one of those for me that I have to say, God, you know, this is one that I have to daily do battle with because I can get unrighteously angry in a moment. And so I have to do battle. And so what do you do? Well, first off, if, if you got an anger problem, and get, if you got angry last year, you, don't probably, you probably don't have an angry prob- anger problem, okay? But if you got angry like last week and the week before that and, you know, a few days, I mean, uh, you might have an if, if that's an issue for you, one of the things I would tell you to do is memorize Scripture that deal with anger. Here's what the psalmist said, Your word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what Jesus did was he quoted Scripture to, to combat the temptation that Satan threw at him. He fought it with Scripture. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me give you a few scriptures pertaining to anger. Just four really quick here. Four really quick scriptures pertaining to anger. And uh, that just that, that you can, and, and you can just look up. There's so many. Uh, Ephesians 4, we just looked at 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin in your anger. Ephesians 4, 31, just a few verses later, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. So you memorize that verse, and so let all anger be put away. I need to put anger, anger away. Then, you know, in James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He didn't say don't get angry. Be slow to anger. Make sure it's an appropriate righteous anger. Proverbs 29, 11 a fool gives full vent to his spirit. A lot of translations say uh, anger. A fool gives full vent to his anger or spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. You see, if anyone's ever told you, man, just let it rip, because if you don't, it'll just bottle up and explode. That is not biblical advice. I want you to understand that. The scripture says a wise man holds it back and deals with it properly. Colossians 3.8 says, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. These are but just a few memory verses. So whatever sin you got to struggle with, if it's anger, whatever sin you struggle with, what you need to do is begin memorizing Scripture that pertain to that specific indwelling sin so that you can fight sin with Scripture. Okay? Start memorizing Scripture. And the second thing I would say is this. We've talked about righteous anger, and what is righteous anger? Righteous anger is when you get angry at something that's unjust, when, when, when you get angry at sin. And here's what we typically do. I've mentioned them. We look out at racism, and I can be very angry. I do get very angry at racism. I, I do get very angry when I see abuse of any situation. I do get very angry when we deal with stuff like abortion. I do get very angry when I deal with terror. I get very angry, but it's, and I can get very angry with infidelity. When I, I, I get very angry, but here's what we do. We always look out there 
to start getting angry. But here's the thing. Anger, righteous anger is anger at sin. So what you need to do is go look in the mirror and start getting angry at your own sin. You need to start getting angry and ask God to help you to absolutely despise your sin. Ask him to help you hate your sin and get angry at your sin and do battle and begin to think about, does my, does my actions make anyone else righteously angry? Think about that. Is, is another Christian going to be righteous in their anger at what I've said or did? That's a piercing question, isn't it? I mean, would your wife's anger at how you lead the family, would that be righteous anger? Then don't just dismiss it. You get to roll that over in your head. Would it be righteous anger? If it's justified because you don't lead your family, it would be. So think about your own, be righteously angry at your own sin and then anger enough to do something about it, you see? And for others of us, man, we, 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 we literally, we literally need to, to pray, God, I'm a new person. Remember, take off the old, put on the new. Jesus saved you, the Holy Spirit sanctifying you. But we're also commanded to work out our salvation, not work for it. We've got it, to work it out. In other words, we join in the process with the Holy Spirit and we apply ourselves to becoming like Christ by getting in his word, by being involved in church, by being involved with people who are going to help me along the way, by praying, God, I, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to commit whatever sin it is. So what we're going to do right now, what we want you to do is, is man, I, I just want to give you time to, to think about, uh, to think about, where you are with anger. Travis and our band's gonna come and, and this is called our response time. We're gonna take up our tithes and offerings. And, and man, but it's a time for you to respond. A respond, a time for you to say, man, I've heard your word, God. I've heard your word and today your word's what's important and I, I've heard your word and man, I, some of you, see, there's something that's probably convicting you. And if something's on your mind, listen, don't let that, by, don't just blow by that. And it might not even have to do with anger, because that's the way the Holy Spirit does. He uses stuff to just, it's the Holy Spirit's job, not mine to convict, all right? And so, but maybe it's anger, maybe it's something else. But in, in this time, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's been convicting you on this specific subject of saying, you know what, I, I've got an anger issue. And I, it's not a righteous anger. You gotta go down and ask why. And then maybe that'll tell you a deeper story. Maybe that'll tell you a deep story, but you gotta ask why. Why am I getting angry? And then you gotta put, God, I, I, I want to honor your word. And I know your word says don't be, be angry, but do not sin. And ask God to give you the strength to walk like him, to take off the old and put on the new. Maybe you need to confess to him that you have an anger issue today. And maybe you need to come to us about it or go to, you know, someone, a Christian brother that, that you trust or a sister that you trust and say, hey, I, I, can you help me with this? Because I've got an issue with this and I just want you to pray with me about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe that you and you, you do with that today, whatever you want. I'm going to tell you, maybe some of you need to say, maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting some of you because you've sinned and not getting angry enough about something. Not getting angry enough about injustice in the world. Not getting angry enough about the sin in your own life. Maybe you need to say, God, I need you to help me get angry about the things that make you angry. 
So we hope that you, you just do whatever God leads you to do and you respond however God leads you to respond. And next week we're going to talk about unforgiveness. And, man, it, it is killing people, and I want to help you with that. And, man, some great stuff for that next week. So come and bring somebody with you. But right now, d- do business with anger and, and do what God wants you to do. And we're going to pray. And so if you'll, if you'll uh, bow your head and let's pray, and then Travis will come out. and You respond however God leads you to respond. God, we love you so much. And I thank you for this church, and I thank you for these people. God, thank you that we're not a perfect people. But God, thank you for those that who are the church or saved people. God, I know that today we have some guests here who are not a part of the church, because uh, and maybe it's because they're not a believer. And, and I pray that today you would do your work in their hearts. And God, I pray that you would convict. God, I pray for those of us today who are... God, come to this place, and Lord, maybe we have anger issues, or Lord, we all battle some sin. God, I pray that you would help us to take off the old and put on the new. Every day, take off the old and put on the new. God, I pray that right now you would just help us to focus on you and move and do what you've asked us to do right now in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.